Hello and welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. It is Thursday, the 29th day of June, 2023. We are somewhat back at Studio 63 today, although you will hear a distinct echo in the background, and I do apologize. All new ceramic tile floors, freshly painted walls and ceilings and trims and doors, and very little studio furniture here. I'm actually sitting on a small chair at a very small table today and using the actual laptop computer's built-in microphone. So if things sound different, I do apologize. Let's just work through it, shall we? A whole lot to talk about today, and we'll most likely do way more than just one edition of the Truth Hurts program. Do you remember that university in Wyoming, which had a sorority, which made national headlines because a dude decided to join an all-women's sorority organization? According to a report from Lindsay Cornick at Fox News, the university is now filing a lawsuit against the local sorority members, doubling down on the insanity that is DEI. For those of you who have been living under a rock for the last two or so years, DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusiveness. But what it really stands for is race baiting and pandering to certain causes and certain minorities in other words, if you're white, straight, heterosexual, and monogamous, you do not qualify to be part of any DEI program. The Kappa Kappa Gamma local chapter of the University of Wyoming filed a motion to dismiss a lawsuit that was brought by former and current sorority members for allowing a biological male to join their female organization. Sorority means congregation of women just like fraternity means brotherhood of men. Sororities are traditionally all biological female, you know, the human beings born with vaginas instead of penises. However, a sick, twisted individual, a horny guy named Artemis Langford, decided he wanted to join the organization known as Kappa Kappa Gamma, an all-woman sorority, while pretending to be a woman. Now, some of you might ask, Steve Z, how can you tell that he is not a real woman? The answer, my friends, will be forthcoming, trust me. A lawsuit was originally filed by seven anonymous members of the Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority back in March of this year because the university and the sorority's main organization allowed the inclusion of a trans woman, meaning a man pretending to be a woman, a 21-year-old dude named Artemis Langford. According to reports, the women in the sorority claimed that Langford had been, quote, voyeuristically peeping on them while they were in intimate situations, you know, like showering, shaving their legs, getting undressed, getting dressed, playing scissor games, etc. And at least on one occasion, he had a visible erection while doing so. An erection, of course, of his penis which disqualifies him from being considered a woman. On Tuesday of this week, the school's sorority chapter fought back against the, what they're calling, frivolous lawsuit and defended allowing this man to join a sorority of women. In other words, all of the fears, the trepidations, the right to privacy of these seven women are now jeopardized by the national chapter of the Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority organization as well as former members of the sorority at that same college who never had to deal with a man pretending to be a woman with an erection, gawking at them, staring at them, and likely masturbating while watching the women undress. 
the university and the national chapter of Kappa Gappa Gamma, trying desperately to appear inclusive, pandering to an aberrant lifestyle and the mental sickness of so-called transgenderism, are suing these actual real women, current members of the Kappa Kappa Gamma, wanting to be a part of an organization of all women. Imagine that. Part of the lawsuit filed by the college states, quote, the central issue in this case is simple. Do the plaintiffs in this legal battle have the legal right to be in a sorority that excludes transgender women? They do not, unquote. This of course is wrong on so many levels. The sorority's national organization also suggests, according to the New York Post, that these seven women were simply motivated by political purposes, particularly through their use of the term woman. Plaintiffs request that the court insert itself into this controversial political debate and declare that a private organization can only interpret the term woman using the plaintiff's exclusionary definition of biologically born females. That's how this motion is written. It continues, Kappa defines its membership in its position statement adopted in 2015 as individuals who identify as women. Plaintiffs cannot identify any bylaw, standing rule, or policy that prohibits Kappa from taking this position, and the term is unquestionably open to multiple interpretations. In other words, we squeaked in the word identify and now we want anyone who identifies as a woman to be able to just simply walk around. Dude, if I were in college, college-age guy, and I had an opportunity to go live with a bunch of women and watch them dress and undress, and do women things, I might think about identifying as a female myself. The plaintiffs request that the court insert itself into this controversial political debate. Hmm. Responding to the women's complaints, the sorority also added that they could always resign from the organization if a position of inclusiveness is too offensive to their personal values. In other words, the university, the national chapter of Kappa Kappa Gamma, are telling these seven women that their opinions, their rights to privacy, their political beliefs, their religious beliefs don't matter. Their lives, in fact, don't matter. And if you don't like our club, you can leave our clubhouse, nanner, nanner, boo-boo. I wonder, briefly, how the left would feel if an all-black organization was forced to allow us crackers in. Not saltine, but living, breathing white folks. You might find the tables would be turned. Do you remember the Bud Light Knight, the medieval character that the beer brand used back during the 2019 Super Bowl? No, not really, not very notable. I didn't remember him either until I actually had to look this joke up. Well, Bud Light is apparently now dusting off the old advertising mascot amid ongoing backlash stemming from their partnership with Dylan Mulvaney, the fake pretender woman genderbender, a dude who failed as a male and now pretends to be a woman. A Twitter profile supposedly belonging to the Bud Light Knight posted a video on Monday and supposedly the mascot steps into the frame with the caption reading, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Well, guess what? I'm thinking you're not back, at least not for long. The mascot resembles a typical medieval knight covered in blue armor plates 
with the word Bud Light plastered across his chest plate. The mascot notably appeared in a 2019 Super Bowl commercial promoting the popular fantasy series Game of Thrones, and during that commercial, the mascot engages in and loses a jousting match before a large dragon appears and burns down the whole venue. Gosh, this sounds so familiar. The Bud Knight was part of the Bud Light's popular Dilly Dilly campaign, which ran from 2017 through 2019. I think it's just silly, silly. But the mascot's Twitter account, last posted in 2021, seemed to have signed off for good. Now, in 2023, the silly, silly, dilly, dilly appears to be reappearing. Oh, I can't wait for the memes to start popping up. I think I'll do one myself. Perhaps the Bud Knight can open his face shield on his helmet, and there appears Dylan Mulvaney going, What's up, guys? Want to spend a night with me? Of course, the negative comments have already begun. Twitter users are tearing this apart already. So I think the Bud Knight is not going to help sales, but probably help to continue driving the boycott. Conservative transgender pundit Sarah Higdon tweeted, I'm thinking not. This, of course, in response to the Bud Knight saying, I'm thinking I'm back. We're all thinking you're back, but briefly, right? Bud Light's decision to reboot the popular Knight character comes amid a tidal wave of outrage over their partnership with that fruit, Dylan Mulvaney, pretending to be a woman. The widely panned advertising campaign with Mulvaney kicked off that massive boycott of the Bud Light brand, which has now seen precipitous drops in sales, lost its top spot as the top beer in America to Modelo in June, and now Bud Light sales in the week ending June 17th are down just shy of 30% as compared to the year before. And you know, Budweiser still doesn't understand. They have not come out, they have not said, hey, we effed up. And according to Parade Magazine, someone named Sammy Burke writes, Anheuser-Busch CEO finally addresses the Bud Light controversy. Brendan Whitworth is the CEO of Anheuser-Busch, the parent company behind the Budweiser and Bud Light brands. He has finally spoken out following the massive backlash that the company has faced since that Dylan Mulvaney disaster. Instead of responding to the controversy at that time, the Anheuser-Busch company decided just to be quiet and distance themselves. This, of course, led the LGBTQIA community to boycott as well. So by trying to get one sick, twisted, queer, mental patient who thinks he's a girl to be your spokesperson, you lost all of your core beer drinking customers, and then you lost the queers you were trying to bring on board. In an interview with CBS Mornings, Whitworth reflected on the impact of the last several months Though, he continued to dance around the elephant in the room, suggesting that Bud Light didn't belong in a conversation that the brand has found itself in the center of. Well, that's like me going out and spraying Black Lives Don't Matter in the middle of the street and then saying, well, I had nothing to do with that. It's the paint's fault. Instead of responding to the company's controversy, the company distanced itself. He said, quote, it's been a challenging few weeks. I think the conversation surrounding Bud Light has moved away from beer and the conversation has become divisive and Bud Light really doesn't belong there. Bud Light should be all about bringing people together. No, 
You're wrong, Mr. CEO. Bud Light should have been about selling beer, putting a good product on a shelf and having people buy it. And if people like it, they continue to buy it and they tell their friends about it. And then their friends buy it and then they tell their friends. But you see, you people screwed up. The company has spent quite a bit of time trying to claim that they did not do this intentionally as a marketing scheme. And then they had to fire their marketing person who was in charge of this. The two simply don't add up. They're conflicting stories. When asked if, in retrospect, he would have sent Mulvaney the gift of personalized Bud Light cans to celebrate his 365 days of pretending to be a woman, instead of answering the question, the CEO said, quote, there's a big social conversation taking place right now. The big brands are right in the middle of it. It's not just our industry, Bud Light. It's happening in retail. It's happening in fast food. So for us, what we need to deeply understand and appreciate is the consumer and what they want and what they care about and what they expect from big brands. In other words, he danced around the issue, did a little jig and didn't answer the question. He also neglected to say whether he thought that the so-called gift was a mistake or not. Instead, he pointed to the brand's history of supporting the LGBTQ community. I'm sure this outraged the nine or 10 listeners or viewers of CBS Mornings that actually care. Instead of saying, yes, we effed up, we're sorry, we didn't mean to piss off the rest of America by trying to support one queer pretending to be a girl, he said, quote, Bud Light has supported the LGBTQ since 1998. So that's 25 years. And as we've said from the beginning, we will continue to support the communities and organizations that we've supported for decades. But as we move forward, you know, we wanna focus on what we do best, which is brewing great beer for everyone, listening to our consumers, being humble and listening to them, making sure that we do right by our employees, take care of and support our partners, and ultimately make an impact in the communities we serve. In other words, what he basically said was, we've been doing the Dylan Mulvaney thing for 25 years and y'all didn't notice. Oops, but we're going to continue it. We're going to continue ramming LGBTQ issues down your throat for the sake of trying to sell some beer to some queers, in addition to our redneck brotherhood, truck drivers, athletes, hardworking Americans, and you know, normal human beings. But we, we don't want to piss off the queers. Whitworth then went on to hype up a summer NFL campaign that Bud Light is pouring millions of dollars into. He's emphasizing that millions of people are still drinking their brand of beer, and now they're tripling their investment in Bud Light advertising for the next year. He said, quote, over the last month, we've talked to over 100,000 consumers and their feedback is very clear to reinforce what Bud Light has always meant to them, which is good times, goodwill, and easy enjoyment. He refused to discuss the financial impact on the brand or to take an actual stance on the controversy because he is a gutless wonder. He is a guy who is scared to death because any word he says is either gonna piss off the queers or it's going to piss off the vast majority of Americans that used to drink their brand but no longer drink the brand. It is what it is and there's not a Budweiser product in any of my refrigerators. Bud Light presents 
fake men with penises. Fake men with penises. Today we salute you, oh pandering politician Democrat. Pandering loser Democrat. You know that every word coming from your mouth is a complete lie, but you just keep on lying. Your pants are on fire. Whichever way the wind blows, so do you. And why do you continue to lie? Because deep down inside, you know the truth that there are only two genders, but admitting that would mean the end of your political career. So crack open an ice cold butt light, oh pandering politician Democrat, because when it comes to telling the truth versus fiction, you can't, you won't, or you'll be out of a job. Unemployment Office, St. Louis, Missouri. All right, folks, I've got lots to talk about. I'm going to buzz through some headlines here from today. California reparations, what Gavin Newsom has said ahead of the task force's final proposal. The Democrat governor signed a bill authorizing the creation of a task force to study reparations for 13% hyphenated American citizens of California. He did that three years ago, back in 2020. But as the task force prepares to send out its final report, Gavin Newsom has not been very clear on if he plans to support the proposals of actually giving people reparations. I think in 2020, Gavin Newsom wanted to sign that because he was trying desperately to avoid the recall petitions that were swirling around, trying to remove him from politics. Now that he survived the recall effort and is still in office, Rutrow, he's now got to look at reparations as an actual thing. The fate of the various proposals by the task force, including payments up to one and a half million bucks to every black Californian, is going to have to be decided by the state legislature and Newsom himself. Here's what Newsom has said publicly about the task force and its proposals since creation three years ago. When he signed the bill authorizing creation of the task force alongside other bills that the governor claims were aimed at combating so-called systemic racism, he called it, quote, one of the important steps in the right direction to build a more inclusive and equitable future for us all. Then, in September of 2020, as a nation, we can only truly thrive when every one of us has the opportunity to thrive. Our painful history of slavery has evolved into structural racism and bias built into and permeating throughout our democratic and economic institutions. Well, that's a little bit of a change. He's trying to blame slavery on why blacks don't do well in California? Slavery was not legal and never occurred in the state of California. Pandering. He then wrote, California's rich diversity is our greatest asset, and we won't turn away from this moment to make right the discrimination and disadvantages that black Californians and people of color still face. Hey, Newsom, they're facing these difficulties under your Democratic Party's rule. You're the Democratic governor. It's a Democratic-controlled legislature. How are you allowing all this racism to continue right under your nose? He then says, while there's still so much work to do to unravel this legacy, these pieces of legislation are important steps in the right direction to build a more inclusive and equitable future for us all. Blah, 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 blah. In May of 2021, he appointed members to that task force, and he said, quote, Addressing the task force is a commitment as a state to build a California for all. And then, last year, when he signed a number of key bills focused on leveling the playing field, 
He changed it up a little bit, saying California is leading the nation in a bipartisan way on the issue of reparations and racial justice. After he appointed that task force, he very rarely discussed the proposals or the work they were doing. Instead, he says he's going to wait until the final proposal is made. After the task force approved its proposal, including payments of over $1.4 million per person, Mr. Newsom issued a statement commending their work. His statement said, Following the task force's submission of its final report this summer, I look forward to a continued partnership with the legislature to advance systemic changes and ensure an inclusive and equitable future for all Californians. Hey Newsom, equitable means you give everybody 1.4 million, not just black African American 13% hyphenated minority members. When asked on the Sean Hannity show if he understood that those footing the bill for reparations payments would be people who had no direct connection to slavery, Newsom said he understood that was the case if the payments were to be approved. Deeply understand that. I deeply understand. Do the math on the 1.4 million, Newsom said. He said, I put out a statement saying reparations is more than just about money. That implies deeper rationalization of what is achievable, what is reasonable, and what is right. And that is the balance of what we're trying to advance. My friends, I can see the U-Haul trucks and trailers lining up in California right now. People bailing out of that state ahead of having their taxes quadrupled or even raised higher. It's all about diversity, inclusiveness, and equity, right? Well, according to Zach Faria and the Washington Examiners, at least California's non-existent high-speed rail loves diversity. High-speed rail will likely never be built in California, but at least the people making millions of dollars off the fantasy really care about diversity. The High-Speed Rail Authority went on Twitter to celebrate Pride Month and boast about how much it cares about diversity. June is supposedly Gay Pride Month, and the High-Speed Rail Authority said they're proud to join Governor Gavin Newsom, Democrat of California, and the rest of the administration to mark the occasion. The CEO of the High-Speed Rail Authority is Brian Kelly, not the coach from college football. The work doesn't begin and end in June, he says, but it is more important that we dedicate time to celebrate the many contributions of the alphabet community. Now, Boasting about how diversity is our strength at the High-Speed Rail Authority, it would be much more beneficial if construction were actually their strength. As of March, the estimate from the authority was that the project would be $95 billion over the original price tag that was sold to voters. We warned you way back when, my Truth Hurts program listeners, that this project was going to be way over budget and decades behind schedule, and it is. Projections widely used by engineers and project managers show that the train could not possibly be completed in this century, which means you should check back on its progress in about 77 more years. <laughs> That's all well and good for Brian Kelly, though. He's paid over $350,000 every year in salary as the project's executive director. His total pay and benefits package tops a half a million dollars per year. Think about that, my friends. If he hangs out for 20 years, he'll make $10 million in salary and benefits. And the completion of high-speed rail is not expected to be done for at least 77 years. Now, there's a cushy gig I would love to have. 
Hey, Brian Kelly, construct the rail. That way people will drive less cars, right? Speaking of construction sites, a Confederate flag was found at a Massachusetts site and it is now triggering outcry from people and requiring diversity training for all. The town of Fitchburg, Massachusetts is where this happened. And this article begins, when Haley Hills drove past the Confederate flag on a Massachusetts highway construction site, she doubled back to drive past once again. She must really love that flag. Oh no, it says here, she wanted to make sure that her eyes weren't playing tricks on her. Sure enough, she and a friend were right. This time they captured it on video. Hills said, I was just blown away about how brazen it was. I was just shocked. The owner of a pavement company said that an employee hung a Confederate flag at the Department of Transportation construction site on Route 2. Bill Garrity owns Garrity Asphalt Reclaiming Incorporated and said the employee found the Confederate flag discarded on the side of the road during construction. He simply hung it up thinking it would be okay to do so. With the owner, Mr. Garrity said it was something that has never happened before and something he doesn't want ever happening again. The employee was not fired and the matter is being handled internally. But according to Mr. Garrity, demands have been pouring in that if you don't fire the employee, he must undergo diversity training. Diversity to me means you should be able to hang any flag, a diverse number of flags. The POWMIA flag, the American flag, the Confederate flag. Hell, you can wave the flag of Honduras. I see it all over Latino and Hispanic communities. What about the Vietnam flag? How about the KKK flag? Or is there such a thing? There will be diversity training for all employees, Garrity said. The risk manager will meet with each crew to discuss the matter further during their Monday morning toolbox talks because they want to make sure that it is very clear that this is not something that we stand for. I guess the right to his opinion is more important than the rights of one of his employees' opinions. According to MassDOT, the Massachusetts Department of Transportation, a statement says, we have determined that the flag was being displayed by Garrity Asphalt Reclaiming of Bloomington, Connecticut, a subcontractor performing work associated with an interstate paving project on Route 2 in the Fitchburg area. MassDOT prohibits the display of the Confederate flag and similar paraphernalia and has informed the contractor that they will not be allowed to perform further work until steps are taken to remove the flag. I wonder if they have any fag flags, some rainbow flags flying around there on any of their construction sites during Queer Pride Month. Ms. Hills is an attorney who lives in Massachusetts and she said she was motivated to share the video and raise awareness of the issue because, quote, you can't be a silent in a face of hatred, unquote. When she learned it was a Department of Transportation project, she said she knew there would be policies about these types of symbols and that if attention were brought to it, it would likely be resolved more quickly. I think she's looking for a payday so she can say, I be so fendi. I wants to get some monies out of this. Who's that local attorney one called, that's all? Garrity's company has removed the flag. A man describing himself as a spokesperson for the general contractor, J.H. Lynch Company, who hired Garrity's company as a subcontractor, said that the Confederate flag was not related to or had any association with their company. They declined to comment further. 
Aside from a U.S. flag painted onto a piece of equipment by the manufacturer, Garrity says the company does not allow any kind of flag to be hung from its equipment. Nobody's allowed to do anything on any of our equipment or say anything on any of our platforms. Well, guess what? That's fantastic. Good for you. I sincerely hope that any of my Truth Hurts program listeners who happen to see a gay pride flag on any Massachusetts Department of Transportation projects do your best to call it out, call it in, and tell the people flying the fag flags to call it off. My friends, I have run out of time for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. I do apologize if you are offended, but I retract absolutely nothing because what I speak is the truth. And even though sometimes the truth hurts, I'm going to keep on keeping on. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Again, my apologies for the sound quality on the program today. We are still in the process of renovating Studio 63 here, and we are putting things back together slowly but surely. Hopefully the echo will be gone later in the week. See you next time.